The sports world has been greening itself for most of the century, but despite these efforts, most fans have no idea. That changes now. Welcome to Green Sports Pod. Hosted by Lou Blaustein, Green Sports Pod highlights the successes, challenges, and opportunities to green the games we love to watch and play, and give you the chance to hear from the athletes who are taking positive environmental actions. Learn more and subscribe to the show today at greensportsblog.com. Hi there, I'm Lou Blaustein, and welcome to Episode 10 of Green Sports Pod. The Oakland Athletics have consistently outperformed their small market budgets and status, making the playoffs 11 times since 2000, including this season. General Manager Billy Bean, portrayed by Brad Pitt in the 2011 film Moneyball, has been the main architect of the on-field product, using advanced analytics to gain small yet important advantages while building a winning culture in the locker room. Team President Dave Cavill brings that same forward-thinking, forward-acting approach to the business and community relations sides of the A's operations. I mean, how many Major League Baseball club presidents can speak with depth and knowledge on the intersectionality of racial, social, and climate justice? Not many, I imagine. But as you find out as you listen to this interview, which was recorded in August, this is just one aspect of Cavill's management approach. The Cleveland, Ohio native got to see baseball up close and personal immediately after his 1998 graduation from Stanford. And when I graduated from Stanford in 1998, we traveled to all 30 major league baseball parks in 38 days and then wrote a book on it called The Summer That Saved Baseball. And so it was the year of Sosa and McGuire. It was really just the consummate baseball fan trip. And we had this incredible experience. And, you know, we didn't really have enough money for the trip. So we had to call the teams to get free tickets and food and, you know, tours and all sorts of stuff to see if we could actually pull the thing off, which we did. And the rest is history. And we got to sit with George Steinbrenner and we drove a thousand miles overnight from Tampa Bay to Baltimore and made the game with 15 minutes to spare just some incredible stories and met players like Luis Gonzalez and Mariano Rivera. And it was just an incredible experience. That epic trip proved to be an introductory level course for Cavill in his business of baseball education. What came next was his doctorate. Actually started a professional minor league called the Golden Baseball League, independent baseball, like the Northern League, the Atlantic League. And we launched an eight team professional circuit in 2005 across Western North America. And we had Ricky Henderson play for us, Jose Canseco. We raised $20 million to get it off the ground. And it ended up being a huge success. And I was the commissioner and the CEO and the president. And I launched all the teams and I did a little bit of everything. I even mowed the grass at times. It was minor league baseball, whatever it takes. Wait a second. Starting an independent baseball league a few years out of college? What were Dave Cavill and business partner and fellow Stanford B-School grad Amit Patel thinking? Well, everyone thought we were crazy. Only my mom thought it could happen. Everyone thought we were nuts. But we identified the fact that in Western North America, there were very few minor league baseball teams. So communities like Chico, California, St. George, Utah, Long Beach, Yuma, Arizona, they didn't have teams, but they had facilities, either collegiate or former spring training. And so we moved in, put the teams there, 
hired first-rate managers, and we started drawing thousands and thousands of fans per market. And then we marketed it with like these big you know, former stars, Ricky Henderson, Jose Canseco, and that drew a lot of national attention and really helped fill the stands. It's amazing that Cavill and Patel were successful, but shouldn't a Stanford MBA be starting a tech company or something? Well, the idea started in late 2002 when I was still in business school. So I took a class called S356. This was the same class where eBay got started, like very famous, like flagship entrepreneurial class at the Stanford Business School. And I wrote a business plan to start a baseball league. Everyone says, what are you doing? Like you should start a tech company and I'm doing this baseball thing. And then three years later, we graduated in 2003. We raised the money that summer and fall and we got it off the ground and had our first game in Arizona, surprise Arizona. I think it was May 28 of 2005. After building the Golden Baseball League from scratch, Cavill switched to soccer, becoming president of the San Jose Earthquakes of Major League Soccer in 2010. MLS was in its post-startup phase, which meant Cavill had a lot on his plate. So my task was to come in, build a new stadium, transform the organization on and off the pitch, and you know bring championships. And so I came in, we put a financing plan together for not only this incredible stadium, Avaya Stadium, which has now been around for five years, but also an associated development around it, Coleman Highline which has the international headquarters or California headquarters of Verizon, Roku. And it's just been a great you know, asset for the city of San Jose. And we did that. And we also won the Supporter Shield, which was like the league title in 2012. We had the most points with the lowest payroll. And so, hey, we we're doing a little bit of a money ball type thing with the Quakes and had an incredible run growing soccer in America. Cavill cut his green sports teeth through the design and construction of the Earthquakes Avaya Stadium. We broke ground in 2012. It opened in 2015. It was fully renewable because we had the whole solar system that we had. So we were net neutral in terms of our greenhouse gas. And so we were using a lot of, you know, lead, lead silver certified. So it had a lot of environmental bona fides. Cavill then went back to baseball, adding the presidency of the nearby Oakland A's to his resume in 2016. John J. Fisher, who has an ownership stake in the earthquakes, is the majority owner of the A's and had a front row seat for Cavill's work in San Jose. It's been a whirlwind since then, with an emphasis on the local community and a new ballpark project in West Oakland near the Howard Marine Terminal. It's been an incredible four years. Two out of the three years we've had seasons, we've made the playoffs, won 97 games. We've totally revitalized the front office, brought in a lot more diversity, We've had a strong focus on Oakland and building at the waterfront our incredible design for this net zero privately financed facility in at Howard Terminal is very exciting. And it's just been an incredible journey. And, and even with the setbacks of COVID and the you know hurdles, we're still moving forward full speed ahead. Of course, most teams do good community relations work, but Cavill has taken it to another level entirely. One thing we did when I first started, I had this thing called office hours, Lou, where I just, on Tuesdays, anyone can come in and meet me. And it can be someone who wants a job, someone who wants to sell me insurance, someone who wants to argue about who should play third base. And it's been an incredible way to not only get my finger on the pulse of the fans, but also the community. So I've had people come in from the faith-based community in East Oakland and say, hey, we're not doing enough 
working with Black-owned businesses in Oakland. So we put a whole program together to do that. And this was before Black Lives Matter, ensuring that like we were really connected to the community we were in. And that would never have happened without this openness and transparency. And it's something that kind of I've tried to make pervasive to the entire organization, to all the staff, to everyone who's engaging partners, that that's valued. And that's something that we should continue to do. Much of the news surrounding the greening of the A's is understandably focused on the new downtown ballpark project. But that did not stop the club from investing in greening the stadium it will soon be leaving, the gritty concrete fortress known as the Oakland Coliseum. In fact, the 52-year-old facility boasts an impressive list of sustainability features. That includes everything from EV chargers to composting and recycling in ways that we had never done it before. And we have a sustainability task force in the A's. David Renetti, who's my head of operation, leads. So it's thinking about how to be better with waste, recycling, power, you know, all the different things that when the stadium was first built in the 60s, it wasn't even on their radar. Even with the greening at the Coliseum and the sustainability plans for the new ballpark, Cavill gets that the vast majority of A's fans, like the vast majority of sports fans around the world, don't actually attend games. They follow their team on TV, online, on their phones, and so on. So it was great to hear that he sees the need to deploy the A's media assets to spread the word about the team's environmental justice and climate initiatives. Like I've always found that the areas where the A's can have the biggest impact, it's not where we can make a donation of a million bucks or whatever. It's where we can use our media voice to get out to millions and millions of people to create change. And I think with climate is especially like in our community, people care about it. And especially in in Oakland, where there's lots of issues with environmental justice and really injustice, where places like West Oakland, where we're going to build our ballpark, has had some of the worst air quality in the country for generations. Not dissimilar to when I grew up in Cleveland and we had our our river caught on fire, the Cuyahoga River. And this was in the neighborhoods, you know, the ethnic neighborhoods that, that our family grew up in. And it just wasn't something that people regarded as important. They're like, hey, this is the price of having a job. That is a false choice. So we need to do a better job in Oakland, ensuring that people can have living wages and also can have clean air, good environment, and healthy neighborhoods. And that's what we're trying to bring with our stadium. And maybe that could then be a model for other communities around the country, or maybe even in the world. I have to say, this is music to my ears. Another example that shows that Cavill and I are singing from the same green sports hymnal is that he understands that it is his players who have the real power to spark a climate comeback, as well as generate positive movement on a host of other issues by using their platforms to connect with fans. Well, I think the most powerful basic channel for that is our players. Because the players are what our fans and the community are connected to. So getting the players to speak out on these issues is critically important. And that starts with educating the players and understanding even what we're talking about here. Because people, I think it's so overwhelming to think about what global warming is and climate change is. But we see the results every day. I mean, yesterday we had a game that was affected by very poor air quality because there's 13 fires burning in the Bay Area right now. You know, I'm down on the field with the players. Now everyone has masks already because of COVID. 
which I guess was the only upshot of, of having the poor air quality. But, you know, we were right on the cusp of maybe not even having the game. And that, that makes people realize, hey, what is going on here? Why do we have this situation? Well, it's related to the fact that we have global warming. It's related to the fact that there's too much carbon in the atmosphere. That allows them to you know, get a little more educated, speak out on it. And then we used our owned media, like our local regional sports networks, national media, and then, of course, social media as well, whether it's TikTok or Snapchat or Instagram or Facebook, to get the word out to people, especially younger people, that these baseball players care, and that there's a way to channel that energy kind of in an effective way. Now, let's pivot to the A's new ballpark. Environmental justice and climate justice have been core to the project's DNA since the beginning. It all started back in 2018 when we went to Sacramento and we got a piece of legislation passed that was sponsored by Rob Bontz, our local assemblyman, called AB 734, which is really a groundbreaking environmental justice and sustainability law specifically tailored for our project. So we agreed to much higher, first of all, greenhouse gas neutrality. And the most important part is all the offsets are happening locally. So instead of us going and planting trees in Brazil, like some of the other teams in the Bay Area did to get greenhouse gas neutral, we're making the offsets locally. So we're going to improve the air quality in West Oakland. We're going to add EV chargers in downtown Oakland. We're going to take a power plant that's a peaker plant that's using jet fuel and close that down. And that's going to have a huge impact on the air quality for our office, for our workers, for all the residents of West Oakland in a real discernible way. So that was something that we agreed to do in exchange for having like a quicker judicial review of the project. And it was a win-win both ways because it allowed the project to happen quicker. And it also raised the environmental standards, not only for our ballpark, but for the associated five or six million square feet of development around it. And so this is probably the greenest project that the Bay Area certainly has ever seen because of this state law that passed in 2018. But it could also be a model for many other projects that we have to make sure that we're not just looking at like all the carbon in the entire atmosphere, but how does it affect specific neighborhoods, especially communities of color that have long been overlooked, that are usually closer to heavy industry, that usually have the worst air quality, water quality, and also no access to public open space. On that last point, providing public access to open space for Oakland residents who really need it, Danish architect Bjark Ingels proposed a never-been-done-before approach, and the A's bought in. He had this vision where he wanted to take people to the top of the ballpark, and instead of just having kind of a regular concourse, the concourse would be a park and it would be on the roof, kind of like the High Line in New York. Or think about, you know, Salesforce Park in San Francisco, but have this open 365 days a year. So people could come there from the community and have this connection to the ballpark because most of the days it's empty. Nothing's going on. So this activates the area, draws people there. It creates a tourist attraction. It's an incredible amenity. You have these views of the Oakland Hills, the estuary, there's winding actual kind of paths through it. It's an incredible amenity. And we're working with James Corner Field Operations, who did the High Line in New York as our landscape architect. And we're very proud of that. The State Lands Commission and all the people in the state, this is, could be a signature, kind of almost like a city opera house type of situation where you can be up there and on a game day, you can sit in the park and watch the game and really feel like you're part of something and you're in the community in the same way that baseball was first played in a park 
we're kind of flipping it back around and it's a park again, but it's a ballpark and a park. So we really like that park part. I think it can be really unique and innovative and one of a kind. On game days, fans will need to have a ticket to enter the rooftop park as there will need to be security and other services. On non-game days, which represents three quarters of the year, access is completely free. While the A's are doubling down on Oakland, its neighborhoods, and its people, it is worth noting that in the last year and change, the city's two other professional sports teams have left for what at first glance appears to be greener pastures. The NBA's Warriors moved across the bay into the gleaming new Chase Center in San Francisco, and the NFL's Raiders are playing their first season in Las Vegas at the spaceship-like Allegiant Stadium. To Dave Cavill, Oakland is the greener pasture, and it is home, rooted in Oakland, despite the decades of neglect and underinvestment. That's why the A's are working to get things right on racial, social, and environmental justice. Everything about what we stood for as an organization, especially with the other teams leaving, that we were the last professional sports team in Oakland. We had over 50 years of history and that we wanted to represent our unique community that's so diverse, that has so many great ideas, that's always been at the vanguard of new movements. And I think one of those is environmental justice and kind of righting the wrongs of, you know, the way certain neighborhoods and communities of color have been treated. And that's why we're doing everything we can to improve the air quality, ensure that these communities can be healthier, ensure that the actual you know, different organizations around us are following the laws and laws are enforced and doing all that in a way where all the boats rise. And, you know, we can have both a thriving industrial center but also do it in a safe and clean way and also have this beautiful waterfront ballpark. And so that's our vision and mission of what we're trying to achieve. I think that's why so many people are getting behind the project. And we have a whole kind of business organization called Town Business that got set up just to support the stadium effort, almost 200 businesses, because people see what this can mean for Oakland and that this is really in some ways the last chance to use sports as a vehicle for economic development, for racial justice, for dealing with a lot of the many, many years of inequities that have been pervasive in the community. Getting the approvals for the ballpark from the relevant state and city government agencies has been a multi-year process with many twists and turns. While grassroots organizations and business groups in Oakland have largely been supportive, there has been one main opponent of the project. The only people who've really opposed it are more of the maritime interests who kind of want more of a 19th century economic model. And what we're trying to say is, hey, I still think you can have industrial jobs that are high paying and that are good for lots of people and unionized, but it's got to be done in a way that doesn't compromise the health of the community that we have. That trade-off has to be over. That's a thing of the past. And I think our project is bringing that to a light. And I think the, a lot of the press and media we've gotten around what we're doing has been about that axis because people are always looking for conflict. But actually, I welcome that. I think having that discussion is healthy because it's something that's been long overdue and I think will lead to a better outcome. And the California Department of Toxic Substances and Control, a regulatory agency that should be protecting communities 
from all sorts of pollutants and the companies that emit them has not done its job. In our research on Howard Terminal, we looked at the stakeholders around us and we realized that Schnitzer Steel, which is one of the neighbors, was operating, you know, really without a permit, a valid permit from the Department of Toxic Substance and Control. So we took that information to the regulators. We sat down. We said, hey, we're kind of surprised this is hazardous material. Transportation is not, you know, going the way that we thought. And so according to our complaint, if you read it, we just wanted an answer on like what they were going to do about it. And we never heard back. 18 months go by, we hear nothing. It's a classic case of regulatory failure, mismanagement. And, you know, we felt really strongly it just has to end. You know, this is something that's affecting our employees. We're a half mile downwind of this location. There's been five fires at this location just since like 2017. And we feel that it's really important for the regulators to enforce laws, for laws to be followed, especially around environmental justice. And this is a good example of how our project and the research that we put in and the energy we're putting behind it can bring better outcomes for the local community, ensuring that environmental laws are followed, are enforced, even in communities of color like West Oakland that have been often overlooked. Despite these obstacles, the final approval of the downtown ballpark is in sight for Cavill and the A's. Once the ballpark opens, and COVID's trajectory going forward will have a lot to say about whether it opens in 2023, 2024, or after. How will people get there? Will the car still be the prime method of transportation as it is now at the Coliseum? According to Cavill, there will be fewer of them at the new downtown location. In California, we always assumed a high percentage of people would still drive. We've agreed to having a 20% reduction on car trips from the Coliseum to the new Howard Terminal Ballpark. We are in an urban area. It's downtown, walkable, bikeable to the urban core where, you know, 100,000 people are working every day. People are living there. The Coliseum site is far more industrial. And so that's a huge benefit. And the best stadiums are built in downtown urban areas. I mean, I saw when I went to all the ballparks, you know, whether it's Fenway or Camden or Jacobs Field in Cleveland or... PNC in Pittsburgh, these downtown stadiums attract fans. They create economic benefits for all the surrounding businesses. You know, our project's going to have over $7 billion of economic impact, 6,000 permanent jobs, mostly union. So there's a lot of things that come with it. And so, you know, we're just doing everything we can to, like I said before, get the approvals, get it going, and, and obviously get that shovel on the ground. The greenness of the A's ballpark project is inspiring. So, too, is the club's commitment to leading on social, racial, and environmental justice in Oakland. I look forward to, a few years down the road, having office hours with Dave Cavill. Hey, Dave, about that third baseman. And then catching a game with him from the rooftop park. For now, I thank Dave for his time and insights. If you would like to follow him on social, you can do so on Twitter and on Instagram at Dave Cavill, and Cavill is K-A-V as in Victor, A-L. You can also subscribe to Green Sports Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and see you next time on Green Sports Pod. You've been listening to Green Sports Pod, hosted by Lou Blaustein. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
and head on over to greensportsblog.com, the source for news and commentary at the intersection of green and sports. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on Green Sports Pod.